Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel that we're going to be covering is A Talking Pony. And you're probably thinking, where did you find that movie? Well, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, our favorite podcast, who am I kidding, uh, is How Did This Get Made? And they covered A Talking Cat, which had two of our former guests, Christine DeBell and Eric Roberts, in it. So during the episode, one of the hosts, Paul Shear, was like, hey, there's a sequel to this called A Talking Pony. And boom, right away, ears perked up. I reached out to a ton of people. And again, we never know who's going to get back to us. But most of the time, they're amazing people. And this week's interview with Andy Thies, the only time I'm going to say his last name, because he is Audio Andy. Man, I love that nickname. And he's a sound mixing extraordinaire. So we talked about, obviously, a talking pony for a bit, his journey from Green Bay, Wisconsin to Hollywood, and all of his other amazing stops along the way. How he started working at Capitol Records. He has stories about Katy Perry and doing behind the scenes for the videos they do when folks are making videos for Capitol. Man, Andy is a great guy, and you're going to love our chat. It was a great conversation about how many people that Andy has come across that I've interviewed. So it's pretty cool hearing other stories about them that I wouldn't have known unless I talked to Audio Andy. So do me a solid wherever you're listening. Subscribe so you don't miss out on future amazing interviews like this one and our amazing movie sequel reviews. So without further ado, here is Audio Andy. One thing that I think is kind of funny, and because I didn't notice it on your Facebook page, but like in my phone, I put Andy the sound guy, and then it's great that you go by Audio Andy. Audio Andy, yeah. That way people will remember me, and it's good. You know, if you need a sound guy, call Audio Andy. How can they forget? And also, well, one of the things, I, the reasons I did that is to uh, help ease the embarrassment of someone forgetting my name on set, and so. Pretty much 90% of the people, when I introduce myself as Audio Andy, they remember it. Yeah, they do. That's catchy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so what I like to do with these is like the beginning, like the why and the, the like where you where you started. And I was fascinated, not by talking to somebody, like anybody who works in Hollywood could come from anywhere, but where you come from is like such, It's I would say it's the most popular little city yeah. in America, right? Yeah, I agree. Yes. People have heard of Green Bay, yes. Yes, they have. Yes. Uh, they don't necessarily know where it is. But, um, yeah, it's it's at least famous for the Packers, and, and people know it that way. So what was it like growing up there? Like, when you're – you tell me, like, growing up, like, the weather, like, compared to what you have now, obviously it's so different. But what was it being a kid in Green Bay? Yeah, I consider every day in L.A. a vacation because it's just it's beautiful every day. And I don't have to think about going outside with with a jacket or not. I just go. And Green Bay is 100,000 people. And it's a it's a decent size. But I I really wanted to go to a a bigger city. So I'm glad I'm here. But uh, growing up in Green Bay, you know, every time I got to a point where every time I went to the mall, I would see someone that I knew from work from concerts, whatever. It would, every single time I went, I'm like, oh, there's whoever. And I'm like, wow, did, that's that's really strange. This is a, a small town, smaller than I thought of, think it is. 
you know, we didn't, it was very, I was a latchkey child. It was very safe. Uh, I got to a point uh, towards the last five or so years I lived there, I didn't even bother locking my car door anymore. And some people don't lock their house still. It's just uh, like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. And like at night, there's no one on the streets or anything. It's just, you know, everyone's at home. It's cold. It got to be a little boring. And it was time for me to move on. Was it one of those places? I can't believe there's 100,000 people. That's pretty cool. Because whenever you see the, the shots of it around the stadium, it's really like, it's kind of crazy to have small houses like in Jersey, the MetLife Stadium. Close by, there's like, there are houses like that, but not there, like right there. But was it one of those towns like people you knew? Did they get out? Or was it mostly like, you're from Green Bay, you stay in Green Bay? Most people are still there. Some people leave and come back. But that's not my plan. That's not your plan. That you're right. You know, it wasn't until uh, I moved to LA uh, I realized, like going to the Packer games, I could just park in the local neighborhood and walk four or five blocks, and it was free parking, and I, you know, it was no big deal. But here, you have to pay for parking. That was something I really had to get used to. Five, ten, fifteen dollars just to park and go to a concert. You had to add that on to your, onto your ticket price. So that's one thing, but hey, you don't have to worry about jackets. Right, exactly. You can just get up and go. That's exactly. <laughs> so growing up, obviously you loved without knowing it what you were gonna do later in life. You love records, concert, concerts, memorabilia. What did you collect? I was a big record guy and um and CDs and um so anything I was, I would go to a lot of concerts. I would drive down to Milwaukee, uh, sometimes Chicago, just to have something to do. Um, and it was it was tough at first because people didn't didn't want to do that. They didn't want to see the bands I wanted to see. So I would go by myself. And I remember the first time uh, it was a Nine Inch Nails concert, and I was I felt a little frightened. You know, like <laughs> I'm doing this all by myself. I'm driving down to Milwaukee to see this band and. It was fine. It was great. And so I just started doing it. I finally uh, ran into uh, my friend Kip, who I had met through work. And Kip and I started going to shows, and we'd, we'd drive down to uh, Milwaukee just to see just about anyone. And it was fun. So so for, obviously you love music. You collected it. You went to, you drove that far. How far is it to Milwaukee? Was it two hours? Yeah, about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Okay. So you love you loved it so much. Did you ever have an inkling before, like, well, we'll get to it in like a few minutes, that you would ever do anything when it comes to that? Did you have that in your head at all, like music-wise or sound? I didn't think I didn't think that could happen. So I uh, I finally researched it when I was stuck in that in this dead end job, and and it was time to move on. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just a process. You take simple steps. My first step was finding a recording school. I wanted to record bands. That's what I thought I was going to do. So uh, I found uh, two or three recording schools. I picked one in Phoenix. And um, I got on the wait list for that. And it took about eight months. And a spot came up. It was, <laughs> they gave me the call. They said, uh, hey, we got a spot for you next week. And I'm like, I... <sighs> next week I got to move my whole life. Uh, and they said, okay, we'll put you on the next term, which it was just three weeks later. 
So they, they did a thing. It was Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Phoenix, Tempe, Arizona. And every three weeks, they have a new group of uh, 24 students come in. And so it was it, the spot opened up from the wait list, and uh, they put me on that next one four weeks later, and I just moved. I was like, okay, this everything's got to change. i got to find an apartment down there. I got an apartment without looking at it. I was just, oh, this is close <laughs> to the school. It's a good price. I'll take it. And like I, I rented a U-Haul and uh, I pulled the I took my car and I pulled a small U-Haul. I got rid of so much stuff. It was it was a great freeing experience to just get rid of a lot of items. You know, I can't take a couch. I'm gonna have to figure out a couch when I get there. <laughs> uh, I I gave away a third of my albums because they're too heavy. Albums are heavy. Yeah. And at that time, that was. Um, 2002 records were still not as popular as they are right now so uh, I just gave them to a friend I still regret some of the things that I gave up but I had to for weight and it was just yeah. this purge and I left a bunch of stuff behind I'm like oh I'm filling this thing up I can't take all my kitchen stuff all right all the kitchen stuff stays I'll get I'll get more kitchen stuff so that was a really good experience in learning how to give up stuff downsize what's more important? The next step of my career or a toaster? Easy choice. And one thing that you sent me was like 9-11 was like a big moment. What was it about that obviously? I was working in an uh, insurance company with 2,500 other people. And I just remember um, seeing the, the towers burning and people having to jump. And that was their only choice. And I'm like, I... Although there were a lot more people in that huge building, I was I was in a big building, and I wanted to jump off the top of my building, and it wasn't on fire. So it's like, okay, well, we got to make some changes here, and uh, that and that was the spur. Almost that day, or and I started researching uh, recording schools the very next week, easily, and just by coincidence, I was in LA yeah. the week before for a concert. It was Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley on stage together. It was at Long Beach Blues Festival. And flying out, this sounds like a cliche or it sounds like something out of a movie. I I was flying out and I looked down at LA and I said to myself, I swear, there has to be a job there for me somewhere. Look at all these buildings. There has to be a job there for me. And then 9-11 happened a week later and it was like, okay, that's it. Wow. So when you get down to Tempe, which what were your other choices? Were they all warmer places? The other there was, three uh, recording schools. There was a place in L.A. Uh, and there was um, Full Sail in Florida, which is is pretty famous. Full Sail. Yeah, my buddy went there. Okay, yeah. so they do film, they do sound, and I don't think I found any place in New York. I found a place in Ohio that I didn't really want to go to Ohio too much, like Wisconsin. So I thought Phoenix would be the perfect size as a jumping off point to either from phoenix go to la or new york and one nice thing about the conservatory is they set you up with an internship and that's why i chose the conservatory so i got an internship in la and it was awful but that guy um uh got me into another gentleman who was awesome and it just rolled from there so what was your first what was that first job that you had like from when you when you graduated how long were you in school? Was it like a year? It was eight two months. Years? Eight, oh wow! Eight months, and uh, it was 
every day for four hours and we were just learning. We were learning on the boards and you had to just keep going. And I could tell by the people in the class that I was, I was decent, you know, like, oh, there are people who are worse than me. There are people who are better than me, but I'm going to, I'm going to do okay. And they said, if you don't use the, uh, what you learned and you're going to forget it. And that's exactly true. So uh, I knew I had to keep going forward, and some people didn't. Some people went back to their hometowns and did nothing. Uh, but anyway, so uh, <laughs> get back to your question. The first job I had was with just a guy was doing uh, making a soundtrack for a movie, a, a independent movie, and he had me come in and he needed help, but he was very short with me, and he was getting free help. But he, he wasn't really instructing me or helping me. He was just a little short with me. And I couldn't. I remember my most favorite part of that job is sometimes he would have me walk his dog. And I would just I would be out of the place and I'd walk his dog for 30 minutes and then come back into the to It was a home studio. And I was only there two weeks. And he, he said, I tell you what, after two weeks, he said, I got another guy who might be able to take you on and i'm like yes and he was like yes <laughs> off i went and i met uh paul hoffman paul hoffman is known for writing the jingle one of the writers of have you driven a ford lately and remember have you driven a ford lately do you even remember that jingle it is it's yeah, from quite yeah. a while ago so uh and you'll constantly meet people like that in los angeles i you know after working there a little bit i said to him I finally talked to him about about the jingle, and he said, "It built this studio, you know. <laughs> you know, and that that thing ran for a couple a decade. I bet. Have you driven a Ford lately? So uh, uh, from there, oh well, go go ahead. Ask your next question before I. Just oh start no, when I was no no. It's funny that you said that about the jingle. I interviewed a comedian and an actor. This guy John Reap. Mm-hmm. He was the Hemi guy. Okay. He, he says. Driving a Hemi, and he's yeah. like, from that, I got a Hemi, I got X amount of dollars, I was able to buy a house, and it's like, it's crazy. These one little lines or these yeah. little jingles, and what they can, what can, they can bring to you. Yeah. So from then, fr- from that point, how did you start working with bands? What was that first thing? Was it through Paul? Well, I, I never did. I never worked with bands. What happened after Paul, and I was there a few months, I, I learned a lot. Uh, he was so nice and so encouraging, and he was just chill. And Conservatory sent out an email to all of us recent graduates and said, hey, we have their Chalice Studios in Hollywood is looking for a sound mixer, a, apprentice, intern. Is anyone interested in going to interview? So Me. So I went and I interviewed, and they, they said, I was talking to this guy, uh, his name was Stacy, and he said, "You know, I don't think your what your career path, what we're talking about, is right for Chalice Studios with music. I think you would rather work right across the driveway at Mix Magic Studios, who is a post production uh, studio." He said, "Why don't you go over there and drop off your resume that night?" <laughs> so I went over wow. there, all nervous, and I handed my resume to the nice woman at the counter. And four months later, she called and she said, I'm calling because your resume is so bad. I want to know who submitted this resume. There's the formatting's all wrong. I don't know what you did when. 
And I still remember it. I was in a car, in the car, and it was raining. It never rains in L.A., you know. <laughs> I'm driving, and back then you could have the phone up to your up to your ear. So uh, I'm talking on this flip phone, and it's raining. And I'm like, I, well, I think she wants me to come in for an interview. So I, I came in for the interview, and, like, I had a lot of nervous laughter. And, and one of the people I was interviewing with were, why are you laughing? What's what, what's funny? And I'm like, I, I didn't I didn't know how to answer that. I didn't know how to say it's just nervous laughter. Now I understand what it is. And I was like, I, I, I'm just happy to be here. And I think they hired me because I was free. And I went into Mix Magic, and I learned all about post-production sound and all how to work uh, on post-production in the movies, mixing all the sound effects, that kind of thing, recording voiceover, recording uh, um, Foley, which is... Um, noises you make that you put into the into the picture, um, um, and from there I realized I'd much rather be on set. And uh, it was hard to leave Mix Magic. I was only there for a year or two. I could see the writing on the wall that Mix Magic was going to uh, close because everyone was now working out of their their rooms they're they're all working in their home studios and they didn't need a place like mix magic to come in and record voiceover people can do it in the closet and or the you know their home studio so i decided to i I knew i always wanted to work on set but again i didn't know that that was possible Um, (laughs) so i i asked i got some advice from different sound mixers there and i started just taking jobs off craigslist and these jobs were $50 a day, free, whatever. I would take any gig offered to me. And you can tell by looking at my IMDb, uh, a lot yeah. of the, the shorts I worked on and the stuff. And if you go back, I've gone back just out of curiosity. This is, I have stuff from 2006, 2007. Hey, let's see what happened to those people in on that set. And most of them aren't in the business of a lot of that stuff that I worked on. And it was a really good experience learning for free how to do sound and i made a lot of mistakes and you just learn from it and they get what they pay for they're paying me 50 dollars because i don't know what i'm doing or paying me nothing because i don't know what i'm doing Uh, but you just start making connections and i had a goal of handing out um, five cards on every set every set that i would go to i'd hand my card to five people at least and bare minimum what did that card say? Did it say Audio Andy? Audio Andy. It was uh, an, a, a friend back in Green Bay who's a great designer. Mike Christofferson made made these cards for me, and they were great. I mean, they had a uh, a double A. I don't have I don't have one right here. Uh, a double A, and the A looked like a microphone. Isn't that creative? Nice. And that's awesome. Um, and so it kind of stood out. And Audio Andy stood out. My card stood out, and just slowly getting getting jobs getting gigs the phone started ringing it took a while no it takes a while for the for all ends of the it behind the camera in front of the camera some people get lucky like you know like a steven seagal he shows up on at the studios and then bang number one movies for so many yeah. in a row but people have to yeah. cut their teeth you know yeah like william sadler's first role his first role besides broadway he was man who fell downstairs on the <laughs> on the new art show so everybody has to start somewhere. Yes. Now, is there a point while you're doing this? Obviously, you're learning 50 bucks free. 
it was there a point that you're like, obviously you wanted to do this, but you were like, I can do this forever. Was there like a particular like movie or something that you worked on that you're like, I can do this. This can be my real job. Uh, I'll say the very first thing I did, but <laughs> to make it sound a little better, uh, why don't why don't we talk about how you got in touch with me or why? You want to just say like how you found me oh, or why you found me? Oh yeah, I'll let you Just tell that part. Yeah, so I reached out to you because how did this get made? Which I'm a huge fan of, and they inspired me to start doing this because every so often they would do interviews with people in movies, but very rarely. So I'm like, I want to start doing that. So we don't try to do movies that they do, but I was just fascinated by them by a talking cat because not only that they covered it and what it is, but that I interviewed out of what was there seven people in the movie? I I interviewed two of the people <laughs> and very cool people that I got really cool relationships with in Christine DeBell and Eric Roberts. Oh, did you interview Christine? Okay. Yes. Uh, okay, I got to find that one. All right, cool. So, and the director of A Talking Cat, although it's listed as a female, is Dave Dakotu. And I worked on a movie in 2008 with Dave Dakotu. Dave Dakotu is, he's, he gets down to business. He doesn't goof around. So I learned real quick to work with Dave and to work on a movie set. They don't have any time is money. They're moving on. Dave shoots a close up. He shoots a wide and then a close up, sometimes a medium. And it is uh, usually one take unless something, someone really goofs up their lines. And like Dave taught me, he said, don't call airplanes. So on, on a set, if there's an airplane going by, some people don't even hear it because they're in the moment. And it's up to the sound guy to say, hey, this airplane's too loud. And with an airplane, this is kind of interesting, most people don't think of. The problem with the airplane isn't that you won't hear the dialogue. The problem with an airplane is if you do a close-up and there's an airplane on it and then cut to a medium, there's no airplane. And so you can't have an airplane when they're speaking here and then medium, there's no airplane. So that's why you have to stop. Dave said, I'll call the airplanes. You just be ready to roll. And there's really no reason for a sound guy not to be ready to roll unless there's a catastrophic failure five seconds before you hit roll. So I learned, like, I remember asking him a, a question like uh, right before we're about to shoot. And he, he said right to me, that's not my job. Figure it out. I was like, you're right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I shouldn't be asking Dave anything. And Dave soon after that first movie started hiring me. And it was probably 2011, 2012. I just started churning out these Dave Dakota movies. Now uh, what's funny is when I was working on a talking cat and your podcast is uh sequels right so officially officially it this a talking cat is kind of a sequel from we filmed a movie in 2012 called they it's now on imdb it's called the great halloween puppy adventure i'm pretty sure when i filmed that that was called a talking dog and they changed (laughs) the name so now we have a talking cat which is how you met me. And I think I met Christine on A Talking Cat. And what was funny is Dave will sometimes talk to me in a, in a friendly way. And he said, hey, uh, she was in Meatballs. 
and what was so and i'm like oh oh the girl with the socks yes and what was so funny this was halfway through the day i had a shirt on that said camp north star i had bought a, a fan t fan made t-shirt that said camp north star and she didn't even notice and i and i walked up to her and i said hey look at my shirt and she is like oh, oh my goodness camp north star that's the meatballs camp Oh, that's and, awesome. Yeah. It was just, and, and we, uh, she's really nice, as you probably know from interviewing her. And the next time we worked together, I brought her a copy of soundtrack record album and I gave it to her. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I had a couple copies of it. It's a dollar bin find. It's hard to find now. But, uh, and at the time records weren't what they were. She was like, oh, yeah. wow. And she remembers, she still remembers that I gave her that, that record album. And it was just, you know, I grew up watching Meatballs. That was a treat. And it's like, oh, well, I'm talking and working with someone. Dave would always get at least one name in his movie. Or he would get a lot of uh, cute guys who are up-and-comers. Guys who would maybe end up on um, soap operas. Uh, or uh, or maybe even bigger than that. But a lot of handsome guys. It was He never had nudity. But I remember one of the very first shoots I did with Dave, we were in uh, this giant marble mansion, and they I think they talk about the marble mansion on how did this get made. We yes. shot a lot of movies in that marble mansion. The first time I was in that mansion, we shot a movie with five young men. All of them had underwear on. That's it. They had tidy whities And I had to, you know, usually I rely on the lavalier microphone to cover anything that I can't capture with my boom. But I was in a marble mansion, glass and marble, and guys with only underwear on. And I'm like, oh, geez. All right, this is it. And I and I proved myself. I, I got good enough sound for Dave that he kept hiring me. Uh, I remember one time in that marble mansion, we filmed a uh, gladiator movie, but it was one of the very few days where it rained. So we were filming outside, uh, I think in in A Talking Cat, you get to see the pool. So we were going to film out by the pool like it was marble and old Roman times. But because it was pouring rain, we went inside and we shot against the glass patio doors so that you could see the outside, but we were inside the mansion. And it was, you know, it was just pouring out there. And it was just, you know, Dave is so good. It's just like, okay, here's what we're going to do. It's raining. We're going to film it against the glass. Let's go. And if you're on that set with Dave, if you're if you're not filming uh, in the scene, you're learning your lines. And he'll sometimes like shout down from level two down to the kitchen and say, "Guys, I hear you talking. You should be running your lines." And they'll shut up. And you know, because wow. because a lot of the people that he worked with are have done nothing, have done one or two films, and they need a little uh, shaping up, just like I needed shaping up on that first film with Dave, like. That's my problem. I got to figure it out. Yeah, like you said, like those movies, you have to get it done in order to turn it over, like the old way they shot, and they still obviously do. The quicker, the better, really. Yes. Obviously, you want it to be good and look good, but at the same time, you know, time is money. So, one thing I wanted to ask, and I was going to ask it later, but perfect segue. So, you said obviously you couldn't obviously use the lavalier mic, so you proved yourself. Is there any times, and it's so funny, you don't think about, obviously when you watch a movie, sound is very important because yeah. you need to hear it and it has to sound good. Is there 
any like tricks that you've done to get sound like that you couldn't get the boom there you couldn't get a lavalier is it like putting something on a lamp or is there any tricks that you've had to do like in a movie well sometimes you'll you'll use a plant mic um oh well this isn't the best <laughs> i'm holding up for people on the podcast i'm holding up <laughs> holding up a lavalier so uh you could see it's about the size of a deck of cards and so sometimes you yeah. can put that on the table and these mics uh they're tiny they're the size of uh, a couple matchsticks put together and they pick up very well amazingly well so you can do a plant mic on the table and hide it behind something uh, one one of the things I learned that helps me is I always try to put the mic on the person's clothes instead of their body a lot of times women uh, uh, do a lot of moisturizer and it'll pop right off and the last thing I want is is the mic to fall down near their belly and then you can't it sounds really crummy yeah the only problem with putting it on the shirt is that sometimes you can see it. I'll see the mic all the time watching TV. Probably, uh, you know, sometimes it really stands out. Now, when I was growing up, I never saw a microphone ever. You know, but we're not as fans. We're not looking for that. So as a sound guy, you're really worried like, oh, my goodness, the microphone's going to show. But you just don't see it. You're not looking for that. You're always looking at the actor's face. You're not looking at their shirt for a funny wrinkle, you know. Is that what you do? You and your buddies are like yeah. watching a movie or something. Oh, of course. And they're like, it's like a really tense moment. You're like, oh, there's the mic. They're like, Andy, get in the kitchen. Get out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, uh, being it, it really stinks. Being in the industry, it ruins it, it ruins the magic of movies and TV. But I still love every second of it. Any day on set is a good day. Oh yeah, and so you're talking about you work with you're working with David a lot. Yeah. And so at right around the same time, how did it happen that you were working at Capitol Records? Like, how did that come up that you started, started doing that? Well, I got. Oh, it's so crazy. Okay, I'm gonna make this as short as possible. I met a guy through a friend. He was shooting a commercial for Febreze. They said. We need a sound guy. We just met you. A Febreze commercial is is huge. I wasn't skilled enough. So I'm like, yes, I'll do it. My first answer in Hollywood is always, yes, I'll do it. Yes, always. <laughs> On set, anything, yes. And I'm like, I can't do this. So I called uh, a friend, and he said, yeah, I'll do it, and I'll bring you on. On that set, I met uh, a camera guy who eventually led me to capital just through connections through me proving myself on that Febreze set which I didn't even have never been on I should have never got the phone call I met the the guys who got me into the connection of the capital guys I proved myself to the capital guys and I started getting jobs there and now I'm their first call for this for the, the video team for their because uh, you know they don't need me to mix vans they need me to follow people around with a boom and, you know, I try to clear any time they call, I try to clear my schedule and hustle on over there. And uh, it's been a really good relationship. And I've been able to work with some of my idols. As we discussed before, I wanted I wanted to be in the music business. And, uh, you know, I used to, one, one good thing that came out of all this is I used to be starstruck, definitely, when I first moved here. And then you just, you realize, oh, these people are just like us. Don't bother them. 
one of the reasons pe- yeah. people keep ha- hiring me is because I'm quiet and I get the job done and I don't I don't insert myself into a situation that I don't have to and and you get to sometimes talk to these people like at lunch on set sometimes like I'm micing them up uh, it depends on on if someone else is talking to them or not I'll usually just say something usually about their t-shirt or something I remember saying to to Getty Lee Oh, you have bicycles on your, are, are you, you ride bicycles? Yes, I'm a cyclist. I'm like, oh, a cyclist. Oh, okay. Thanks, Kenny. You know, I'm like, a cyclist. Of course you're a cyclist. You don't ride bicycles. You're a cyclist. Uh, so, you know, it's just little stuff like that. And I remember asking Getty also about his bases, something, you know, something he said in the interview when there was a break and, you know, you can, you can interact with these people. Uh, you know, you know what Cameo is? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Cameo and you hire people. So right before Cameo took off, we're interviewing uh, Stuart Copeland from the police and it's right around Christmas. Nice. And uh, I, he was really affable and I normally don't do this kind of thing. Uh, and I said, I, I owed a favor kind of to this, to this woman. And I said, Hey, can you do a shout out to my friend, Emily? And I just grabbed my phone and I said, Hey, Emily, I have someone who wants to say hi to you. And I turned it and there was Stuart Copeland and Stuart Copeland sang her a little song for 15 seconds. (sighs) Emily. And I sent it off to her. And of course she loved it. And, but I could never do that now with cameo. That would be like, dude, you got to pay me 50 bucks. You know, I doubt if Stuart Copeland's on on cameo, but um, you just can't do it anymore because it's a it's a, it's a money maker. But uh, just little interactions like that are so special. Now, I wasn't for whatever reason nervous at all to do this with Stuart Copeland because I was so comfortable on set and so comfortable with the people on set. But ten years ago, I wouldn't even really say hi to him. I would have just been like, <laughs> you know, putting the mic on, all shaky hands, and. But now it's just another rock star that won't remember me. You know, there's no, (laughs) I'm just a sound guy. He's met a thousand sound guys. I'm just another one. And I'm not going to do something. Here, Dave Mustaine might remember me because I was miking him up. And afterwards I turned and I knocked over his root beer and it went on his phone. And he was like, dude. And he picked up his phone and he's like wiping it off and his assistant came and grabbed it. And I'm just, oh, I must have turned beet red. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he, he just kind of was shaking his head. And the phone came back an hour later and the and the guy said, oh, everything's fine. Now, what's funny is later, I, I have a 12-year-old son. And my son, I told him that story and how embarrassed I was. And he said, you know what, Dad? Those phones are now made, the new version, as waterproof. So you were okay no matter what that you spilled some root beer on there. And I'm like, oh. Where I wish I had you on set because I was for an hour. I was just like, I'm never getting hired again. I ruined Dave Mustaine's phone, and <laughs> Capital's never going to hire me again. And I brought it up to the guy who hired me. I'm like, so, and he was like, oh, he slapped me on the back. Oh, whatever, dude. And so for for the guy who hired me, it was just like another day at the office. But I was yeah. I was mortified for a full hour. He should let you know. Dave Dave should let you know and say like. Hey, this is waterproof, man. Maybe he was like, maybe later he had a laugh about it. Yes. Well, after it came back, fine. He was like, he he gave me a smile and a and a wink or something. Like everything's cool now. But Dave Mustaine is not someone to mess with. You know, he could have he yeah. could have canceled the whole interview right there. He could have just been like, "You ruined my phone. I'm out." And 
that then I would have been totally crushed and never hired again. Now, some people would say, why is why was that soda even near any of the gear? Why was it near your phone? Why was it in the studio? You know, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, you point to a sign that says yeah. there's no <laughs> drinks, no open beverages. So, so Andy, since you're a record collector, so I'm sure you had police albums. What did you have? Bee Gees? Like I was trying to think of the list that you sent me. Yeah. Like whose records did you own? Because that's like your kid in Green Bay listening yeah. to these records, and then you're they're right there. So that's another thing. If I wasn't a fan, like I wasn't a Rush fan, so I was like, oh, that's cool. It's yeah. Getty. Now a police, yeah, I was a police fan for a while, and uh, the, you know, I was never a Megadeth fan. So working with some of these people, working with Barry Gibb, it was just like, oh, it's one of the Bee Gees. Now the Bee Gees are all this resurgence, and uh, so it was just. I remember saying, hey, I just saw something on, uh, I think it was Instagram. Um, and it was a clip of the brothers singing from 1964 on some uh, European uh, thing. And I brought that up to him. He said, oh, I heard about that. I haven't seen it yet. But that was, but you know, I'm not the only one who wants to talk to Barry yeah. Gibb. So then he gets, you know, his attention is directed to someone else who has a question or something. Now, luckily, one of the cool things about being a sound guy on set is I get to directly interact with the talent. People who are, say, a camera assistant, they are always back at the camera. There's no reason for them to go up to the talent and say, whatever. So that's yeah. that's a really cool part of my job, being able to interact with, with some of these people who are your heroes. Yeah. Andy, one quote that I love, and I think maybe this is the way you always say it, but in your email when you talked about Capitol Records, I think this is like really cool. It'd be like something you like put somewhere in like a memoir audio yeah. Andy the memoirs but I you were I achieved a goal I had in the back of my mind but never really thought out so that's like so cool it's like you know it meant to be yeah you know all of this but you didn't know that it was meant to be until you know you made it happen yeah yeah you know, one of the things, uh, every time I go in there, uh, I know everyone's name. Like, like I know the person who, it's Donnie at the desk. I know Donnie. Donnie might not know me as Andy, but I say, hey, Donnie, how's it going? And he goes, hey. You know, he recognizes me. Definitely. Donnie. You know, the the guys in the studio, the guys who record now all, all these bands. I know all those guys. And they know me because I'm Audio Andy. And they're the sound guys. And I'm the sound guys. So I can go in and I can say hi to them and talk to them. And I always try to get to if if someone is at Capitol and and I know they work there, I'm going to say, hey, I'm Audio Andy. What floor do you work on? And just start conversing. And you know something about Capitol Records. This is so hard to describe. If you go to every city, the city that that you grew up in, and you pluck the coolest person out of there. I don't mean the most popular. I don't mean captain of the football team. I mean the guy that's friends with everyone and the coolest and has the best taste in music. And you put them, you take that coolest person out of all the high schools and you put them in Capitol Records. That's who's working there. They are all top notch. They're all friendly. They're all cool. They're all really smart and funny. And it's just, it's like the cream of the crop is there. It's amazing. Every time I meet someone and you'll, you'll start talking to them and it's a person just like you and me. And then all of a sudden they have this huge backstory, like how they got there and who 
who they've worked with and they're friendly it's it's just amazing you know i feel when i go in there i'm like oh wow i don't this is rare air i don't i don't belong here and i'm gonna do everything i can to not get kicked out of here they say that about you too that you're the cool person from your town that had good taste but it's got to be true that's why places keep people around you know to to be with with the culture of it i make them laugh they're so good yeah you make them laugh i try at least yeah <laughs> so do you have in all the movies that you you worked on is there like a favorite one that you had like it, it was like something particular about the movie or looking back on it like the ones that i looked at that i really want to watch because yeah. i interviewed <laughs> vanessa angel okay and she was in hansel and gretel oh with yeah. eric roberts too oh man so here's here's another i'm so glad you brought that up i i forgot about it Vanessa Angel was in Spies Like Us. When I saw Vanessa Angel on the screen, I was like, that's the most beautiful woman in the world. I had no yes. idea where do, these girls don't exist. And then all of a sudden, I'm working with her. You know, it's it's like, oh, wow. You know, that's Hollywood. And I, I played it cool. I wasn't like, oh, wow, you're pretty. But I'm like, holy God. This is what I get to do. I get to meet a woman that I saw as as a young man who was like the most beautiful woman in the world, and here she is, and I'm putting a mic on her. This is this doesn't make sense. So I, you know, and that was another instance where I wasn't nervous because it's a Dave Dakota movie, and everyone's just happy to be there. Um, and it was just surreal. It was surreal. So did you say you you interviewed her or? Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was really cool. She was super nice. And there again, she was nice. And one thing that I think that's amazing about her, like I'm sure that I think there is like a podcast or a website that's dedicated to this or like a Twitter handle. And it breaks down like all the movies that tried to become TV series. Yeah. And there's so many, like I interviewed Lisa Wilcox, who was in nightmare on Elm street four and five. Yeah. She actually, actually paid Missy in the bill and Ted TV series. Okay. And the Bill and Ted cartoon series they tried. But there's like so many that failed. But Vanessa Angel, man, the perfect to play uh, in Weird Science. Like that show was good. It was on for like five or six years on USA. And like that's where I knew her from. Obviously, like from Kingpin and Spies Like Us. But like knowing her from that. And she just like really, she appreciated that so much. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up Hansel and Gretel of my 140 um uh, credits on IMDb. I learned a big lesson on Hansel and Gretel, which uh, I believe Cherie Curry was in there. She's the lead singer of the Runaways. And that was another like, whoa, Cherie Curry. So I got to play it cool. And I was like, I was angling. I have a picture of me with her. Now to angle to get that picture, I'm like, I was nervous about this. That was one of the few times where I was a little starstruck. And I realized she was really nervous to be on set because she's not an actor. And she was like pacing back and forth with the script in her hand. And I I pride myself in being really self-aware 95% of the time. And I'm like, I can't <laughs> approach her right now. She's like, she's trying to get herself all ready for this, this next scene. And so as soon as she was done with all her scenes, she was like, ah, and she she would have taken a picture with the gardener, whatever. She was so happy. And she's like, Oh, we're taking a picture. All right. And Oh, you're going to have your sound gear on. 
And, you know, we took a couple pictures and I said, thank you so much. I think she might even give me a hug. But it, it, I realized, oh, yeah, you got to find your opportunity because I don't take a picture every time I'm on set. It's only special people. You got to wait till the end of the day. And they're so happy to be done. They just made a paycheck. They're done. The hardest part of their day is done. They're happy. They're about to leave. They'll take a second with with especially a crew per person. So that was that, but that really, that interaction and seeing her and I, you know, I think we take it for granted. These actors just go and act, but some are a lot more nervous than others. And she was nervous, but like I said, yeah. as soon as she was done, she was like happy, happy as clam. Yeah, she just wants to get done with work. Just like yeah. most people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Since like my, me, you and I are obviously like looking at each other over zoom and like the one that got cut off over here is you and James Remar, who oh, yeah. another guy, <laughs> unbelievable, and such a cool guy, and so much over the years. What what movie was that from? Oh, he was doing a voiceover for a Dexter thing. And what's funny is we we walk into the studio and I called him by his name from the Warriors, and he he like he took a second. And he was like, ah, <laughs> and, and like, like that was warriors was 30 years before, but I'm sure he yeah. gets, he gets that enough, you know? Uh, and then, so I said, do the fist for me. Cause he was in the warriors movie. He was the fighter and yeah. uh, that, but that see now that picture, that was a, it's funny you bring that one up. Cause that was an uncomfortable moment. Cause I, I, I was kind of a fan and I kind of flubbed it a little bit. I'm like, Oh, can we take a picture? Oh no, never mind. And I pulled back and you can't pull back. And then he got a little upset and he was like, come on, take the picture. <laughs> but oh. in, the, in the picture you can see, you know, we're, we're happy. But, uh, but then that was another lesson where I'm like, don't fool around and waste these guys time. If you want the picture and he said, yes, do the picture and get it over with. They're used to this. <laughs> you know, he's not going to remember audio Andy he won't remember me we had an interaction for an hour in a studio after he worked all day so we just interviewed him for behind the scenes something like hey what are you doing on this voiceover thing blah 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 oh okay I was going to be like oh you worked on Dex so something about Dexter that you guys interviewed him about it was a video game relating to Dexter and he was the voice on it I think it was an app specifically I think oh okay that's pretty cool. It's so cool, like, just what you're able to do. Obviously, like, people behind the camera, they can do different things, like film commercials, film. But I think sound is just, like, so fascinating. And you know what I thought about, like, when I was having technical difficulties with my laptop? I don't, did you ever watch John Benjamin Has a Van? No. It was a short-lived comedy. But you know John Benjamin? No. Voiceover guy, Archer, Bob's Burgers. So he had this show, and in the show... They do a bit where the sound guys, the sound guys get kidnapped. Okay. And for the last half of the episode, there's no sound. Oh, really? Once they get to the sound guys again and they get close enough, it's so cool because they're like these terrorist looking guys have the sound guys and you could hear faintly voices, but it's like the most clever thing ever done. I'm so embarrassed. I should know that. That should be. Tell me again what what the. I'll find it. I'll find it and I'll email it to you. Yeah, it's John Benjamin has a van. Is the name of the show. It was like very short lived, like Comedy Central, like 
show like a while back, but I just thought about that before and I was like, oh my God, dude. Yeah, I'll find that and send it to you. (laughs) So you worked with so many people like J-Lo, Selena Gomez, Halsey, and that's just like... Katy Perry. Katy Perry was the one that really got me into uh, Capital. I started doing behind the scenes on Katy Perry stuff and I did her last 10, 12 videos uh, up until COVID. You know, uh, every time she had a video, there was uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I know that, I know for a fact that Katy Perry now recognizes me. I don't think she knows me, my name, but I know that she does at least recognize me. Like, oh, there's the guy from Capitol who always follows me around with the microphone. And I think one of the reasons why is, you know, what's, what's interesting, she's really funny. So she'll do a lot of, off the off the cuff stuff and i'll silently laugh i always notice our camera guys are so serious they're looking behind the camera and they're not laughing but i'm holding the boom and i'm kind of like laughing silently because she's really funny and again that's part of ingratiating myself to to the people around you and it was it was interesting it took about three or four music videos and again just like being a capital uh i was very friendly with the people around her her team and now they know they know me for a, a fact. I know they know me as Audio Andy. Again, Katy Perry has no reason to know my name, but she knows. Oh, there's that that sound guy that doesn't cause me problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they filmed. You do you work on the video, or is it just the behind the scenes afterwards, like in between shots? I'm there uh, during the whole video. If they're sometimes if they need to record sound, it's rare. They might say, Andy, go record that. But usually after a scene, after every scene in the video, we'll run up to her and she'll she'll say something or like uh, at the beginning of every day, she'll say, all right, day two on the video. Here's what we have planned today. Or and then always at the end of the video. Oh, that was a great shoot, man. I can't believe I ran around with a, with a, a gun, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And um, and so. We're there from the first shot to the last shot. It's usually two or three days. Sometimes it's one day. And um, it's it's fun. It's fun. Being on a music video set is fun. Yeah, especially her music yeah. videos. Well, all of them, but her music videos are very over the top. Yes. Like, she has a lot of different kinds of animals sometimes, right? Yeah. Props. Roar, Roar had uh, some some animals. You know what kind of stinks is you can't take pictures. There's no way I'm pulling out my camera phone and take the chance of yeah. uh, getting kicked out but there's I gotta some, get this. yeah there's some really cool <laughs> set pieces that you just can't you can't be a part of i can tell you a funny quick Katy perry story i don't have a lot of Katy perry stories because she's a real pro and and she just does everything so well i mean there's no mistakes or anything and she's very uh self self-effacing and makes fun of herself on, on the music video birthday she was uh it was a lot of surprise like people didn't know it was her so she in one scene she was dressed as a clown and people didn't know it was Katy Perry and it was kind of a, a, one of those surprise type things hey look I'm Katy Perry and she takes off her wig or whatever but she did this thing uh, that was she wasn't supposed to and she hit the pic- a picnic table and kind of fell over the bench of a picnic table and all of us behind the cameras were like <gasps> and she just got up and kept going you know, like it was obvious whatever she did didn't feel good. And she just got up, 
shook it off and kept going being a goofy clown at this kid's birthday party until she pulled off the wig and said, Oh, Katy Perry. So it's just, she's such a pro. That's good. No, that's yeah. good to hear that about some people. Yes. Cause it just makes everything so much better for everyone on set. Yes. When you have somebody that that's not a diva. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you, this is a question I always like to ask people. So, Obviously, you're working you know, at that insurance company. You went for sound. Yes. Was there anything else that you wanted to do when you were like younger that maybe at the time you just didn't pursue? Like, If you weren't doing what you're doing now, which is amazing just how you got to where you are, how it's just like, I want to do this. I'm going to do this now. I'm going to look up these schools. Was there anything else that you'd be doing Like, if you never went to school? I knew deep down I always wanted to work on movie sets, but like I said, I didn't think that that was possible. I didn't I didn't know how in the world that could ever happen. So I figured if in a dream would be a camera person. As it turns out, sound is I, I like doing sound so much better because of that, that that personal interaction. And there are a million shooters in LA, and there's a hundred thousand sound guys. So we just have a better opportunity at gigs. Uh, anyone can, the camera guys will hate me for saying this. Anyone can pick up a camera and shoot something, right? I know there's more to it than that. I, I'm going to get some angry texts now, but, um, <laughs> you know, cause you, there's, there, there are a lot of things to know about camera work. Honestly, really anyone can pick up sound gear and do it, but it's your personality and it's your attitude that keeps you coming back because camera guys, directors are artists and they have the eye for art and beauty and sound guys are more computer guys and they're recording they're pushing a button they're making these recording units they're just a, a tiny computer with with inputs that you plug in and make sure that that the sound is going through them and you're just recording it just hit and record <laughs> and that's a different it's a i guess it's a talent or a skill more than an artistic vision. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. No, it's definitely a skill. So so what are all the jobs that you've done? When you look on your IMDb next to your name and like next to the, you know, the movie, it has a parentheses like sound mixer, boom operator. Like what are all the different things that you've done on movies? Well, one of the, one of the reasons, we didn't get into full moon yet, um, one of the reasons I keep getting hired for, say, Dave or Full Moon is Full Moon Features is I can mix and record and boom at the same time. So one of the things that they love about me is I'll always, as much as I can, I'll mic up I'll, at least two actors. I'll mic them up and I'll boom the scene. Um, and I do that all on my own. So they don't need a second guy and they like how fast I do it. That's that's one of the things I pride myself on is getting that person mic'd up and getting back to my gear so that we're ready for that next shot. So that's really what I'm known for. It's called a one man band. Um, some people don't like doing it. The union shows, um, like, like the big movies and TV shows. I don't think you're even allowed to do that. One man band. You have to have, usually they have two boom guys and an assistant sound guy and a guy sitting at the deck hitting record. So the guy sitting at the deck hitting record is is the main sound mixer. Then they have the two utility boom people, and then even a person doing the cables. Is what I'm trying to say. So a big, a big TV show like Modern Family would have four, maybe five sound guys. 
Wow. Or people, sound people. <laughs> sound people. So I think I have a new name for you. So you have Audio Andy and One Man Bandy. Oh, wow. Maybe? There you go. <laughs> Such a dad thing to yeah. say. <laughs> but no, so no, that's cool to know that. So Full Moon. Yep. Let's talk about that because that's – it's crazy. When you go on their website and you look at the movies they did – just like the way connections happen, like last week I interviewed, uh, I think I, ta- I, I talked to you about it, Sam Furstenberg, a big director for all the canon films in the 80s, sure, yes. early 90s till they went out. His first movie ever, when I uh, searched Full Moon, and it was Full Moon's first movie ever, House of the Damned. So I Google it, and who comes up? David Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> talking about that movie on Trailers from Hell. Yeah. Like just how those things can intertwine. But yeah, uh, just get back to full moon, like what they've done in horror wise. It's so cool looking at all the movies they've done and the different eras. Like they had those type of movies like House of the Damned. And then you look at like the ghoulies of the, that they did reanimator. It's pretty phenomenal. Yes. What they've done. Yeah, it's it's amazing. They churn them out. Uh, those movies usually take about a week. One thing I didn't mention was. Every movie I've worked on with Dave Dakotu, feature-length movie, is two-day shoot. That's it. We have two wow. days to get it done. And may- he does some magic in post. Like, uh, on a Talking Cat specifically, he or someone, it wasn't me, recorded Eric Roberts as the cat. Uh, they did all that in post. Full Moon, we have about a week. And uh, so stuff like set decoration is better. We have more time to take more angles Dave recommended me to Full Moon uh, strongly, from what I understand. And I, I, got, I got a chance to think. I see Dave every once in a while at screenings and stuff. Uh, so I, I thanked him for that, because that, that was a nice step. He said, hire Andy. He'll, he'll get the job done. And so they, they started. And I'm again, that's another deal, just like Capital. I'm their first call. At least that's what they tell me. <laughs> their first call, wow. it seems like. <laughs> You're yeah. our first call. Hold on one second. I need to make a... a I got somebody on the other line. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so it's so much fun working on, on those films. It really is. Everyone, if you're not cool, you're not on that set. They don't, the cream rises to the top on that stuff. And everyone likes working with each other. And there's no, like people not yelling at each other and getting mad. We're all just in it to get this movie made. And we're all fans of film. A lot of them, a lot of the people who work on that are specifically fans of horror. Do you are you familiar with Tom Devlin? Tom Devlin Tom is Devlin, a, yeah. uh, okay. Tom Devlin is a he he's a really good uh, monster maker, and he was on a show called Face Off, where Face Off he was on the first oh, yeah. season, and they had people doing uh, masks, and and it was a competition show. Uh, I think it was on FX, and he was on that. And he, he came close to winning. And he is an excellent monster maker. He's he's done he do, does all the puppets now. Uh he really bangs it out. I can't I can't reiterate how good Tom Devlin is. And he now has a monster museum. It's almost a roadside attraction in uh Boulder City, which is right outside of uh Las Vegas. He's really talented, skilled guy. I met him on the on the full moon sets. I met Heidi Moore is a great filmmaker. She she does um, she has a, a film Dolly Deadly just came out on Blu-ray. Kill Dolly Kill. Howard Wexler, 
shot. Nice. If you look at Howard Wexler, no relation to the Wexlers from other film and TV, but he has been doing these full moon movies for for years. If you look at Howard Wexler's IMDb, he's been he's been shooting for 30, 40 years. And the one thing Howard likes working with me, I like working with him. We he'll just say he'll just point kind of like okay, you can't stand there, Andy. You know, we have a, a an un, we could just say things with our eyes and we know he'll just point kind of and I'll know and and or he'll give me room to get my boom in there. That's another important thing when you're booming you get your frame so you know when a when <laughs> camera guys are going to yell at me for this a lot of times when the boom is in the frame <laughs> it's the camera person's fault because a good sound guy will get their boom set it up and i'll say i'll just say walk me out and if i'm on a good set they'll say higher 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 stop and it's done and i know i can't go any lower than that so if if you see a boom in the frame, you know maybe maybe the boom guy was getting a little aggressive, but a lot of times the camera guy will change the frame a little bit and then the boom's in the frame. Look at that, <laughs> camera guys. <laughs> so no, so those movies like Full Moon now, like the the legacy movie that they still do is Puppet Master, and you worked on two of those, right? Yeah, at least two or three. I, I have to look so at my IMDb. Cool. Uh, I remember working on uh, Puppet Master 10 for sure, and I think we're up to 12 now. Uh, I won't take the time to look through. Full Moon's pretty cool on Twitter, like interacting with people. Let's do another Ghoulies. Yeah, they'd love to. Oh, you know what? We kind of did, and it's called Ouija's. Really? And it was out uh, a year or two ago, and it's in the same uh, vein as Ghoulies. Very similar. Sweet. And it's called Ouija. Yeah, I had a lot of fun <laughs> on the Ouija set. It was it turned out really well. I thought, for what it was, you know, it was well acted. Uh, it was fun. Check it out. No, I will. No, definitely will. And now let let's talk. Uh, we can't go through obviously everything, but I have to yeah. mention because I interviewed Jillian, who was in Evil Bong Seven Seven Seven. Yes, those movies are. They're like the most unique, like viewing experience, especially that one. Like her scene. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really over the top. It's made for a certain audience. You know, there's not drug use on set, but that's what the movies are all about. <laughs> so, you know, we get it done. It's not my my most favorite credits, but I have so much fun working with those guys. It's just it's worth it, you know. And I kind of get yeah, that's I, all that matters. I, I kind of get goofed up. There's there's the ginger dead man, and there's the the ginger weed man, and there's evil bong, and I kind of get mixed up. Like which which one are we shooting now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think they're almost in the same universe now. Yeah, yeah, Maybe? they're all coming together. Yeah, that's they like to do the crossover universe stuff. Full Moon does, which is smart. So for the seven days, not to get like too technical, but I, yeah. I'm fascinated by these quick shoots of movies. So like in seven days, how many hours are they shooting? We will keep it to about 10 unless we're behind for some unknown reason. It'll, it'll maybe go to 12, but uh, Charles Band doesn't like to, if he's directing, especially he doesn't like to go too long. He wants time with his family. So that's great. But you know, a lot of those, those movies that I, 
started out on, man, they would go 14 hours easy. And it was awful yeah. because you were just working with people who didn't know any better or were way behind or, hey, we'll shoot this in two days, but we're going to take three, four days worth of time from these people. And I remember asking a guy on set once and and I said, well, what do you do when it goes this late? And he says, you just never work for these people again. <laughs> like, okay. You just get through it and never work for them again. Okay. <laughs> But uh, full moon, it really keeps, uh, rarely goes over, over time. That's awesome, man. Andy, this has been so much fun. I love like just finding out the technical. I know you're like too, in the email, you're like, if I'm doing too much jargon or too many behind, I think that's like the coolest thing about it. Like when I started doing these, obviously I want to interview people that I grew up loving, but then through it, I was able to talk to people that, work behind the scenes on some yeah. things that I saw maybe one or two times or like things I saw a bunch, but I never talked to somebody that was in sound. So it's so cool because honestly, like independent filmmakers, I think that is a fear because not saying that's the hardest thing to do, but people can shoot. Now, again, I don't want to bash camera guys, or anything, <laughs> but like when it comes to filming, you know, you can look online, people can film something with their iPhone yes. now or just like a DSLR and it can look like good enough, but the sound, even in shows, like we're watching one on, we just finished one on Amazon. This, not the sound as in like what you would record, yeah. but the soundtrack is so bad. And you're just like, oh, why do they have that in there? It's like a want, want, like it almost sounded like a clown, but it was such a good show. And I'm just like, come on. But it's so important. And I think that's what's so hard for people. Our job recording dialogue, if you don't notice, the sound then we did our job if you if you do yeah. notice that it's crummy then then something someone screwed up somewhere audio andy thanks man this has been awesome man audio andy he was awesome one man bandy if he uses that i might have to charge him a few bucks thank you andy that was such a blast i loved hearing his stories about just just being in the business, you know, who would have, I never talked to sound guys. So it was so cool to know about what they do when they see an airplane above and they call it. So the, the shot doesn't get ruined because he's going to be the first person that hears it before some people even see it. So it doesn't ruin a continuation of a shot, you know, when they change cameras. So Andy, thank you. Now your homework, a talking pony. Yes. 99 cents on Amazon Prime. It's going to be the best buck you ever spend. We're going to have an absolute blast discussing it next week. So that's it. Don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, sequelsonly.com. Good night. <laughs>